Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Thursday, December 7th. Gathered. Today's scripture reading, 2 Samuel 11, 7-15, Message Translation. David then got in touch with Joab, Send Uriah the Hittite to me. Joab sent him. When he arrived, David asked him for news from the front, how things were going with Joab and the troops and with the fighting. Then he said to Uriah, Go home, have a refreshing bath, and get a good night's rest. After Uriah left the palace, an informant of the king was sent after him. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance, along with the king's servants. David was told that Uriah had not gone home. He asked Uriah, Didn't you just come off a hard trip? Why didn't you go home? Uriah replied to David, The chest is out there with the fighting men of Israel and Judah and tents. My master Joab and his servants are roughing it out in the fields. So how can I go home and eat and drink and enjoy my wife? On your life, I'll not do it. All right, said David, have it your way. Stay for the day and I'll send you back tomorrow. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem the rest of the day. The next day, David invited him to eat and drink with him and David got him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah again went out and slept with his master's servants. He didn't go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter, he wrote, Put Uriah in the front lines where the fighting is the fiercest. Then pull back and leave him exposed so that he's sure to be killed. This is God's word. An excerpt from The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible by Mary DeMuth. I am pregnant. Three words that were supposed to be a joyful proclamation to her beloved now echoed through her chamber like a death sentence. Uriah had spent all his time since that brutal day in a fierce campaign, not returning home to reseal their love. He would soon know of her secret. God Almighty, do you even see me? She sent for a messenger and handed him a tightly bound scroll with the three were indicating words hidden within it. She sent for a messenger, then handed him a tightly bound scroll with the three indicating words hidden within it. This is for the king only. Be sure he receives it, she told the young man. Later, Bathsheba learned of David's conniving, how he had ushered Uriah home, hoping he would sleep with her to cover up the king's actions. But she knew the honor of her husband. He would not darken their doorstep, wouldn't so much as glance her way until he was officially free of his duties. Odd that his loyalty to the king would put him in danger from the very one he served. When Uriah returned again to the field of war without returning to her, Bathsheba's stomach emptied and emptied. She wept as it happened, marking the unfairness of life. A child should be welcomed not dreaded. Bathsheba could not tell the difference between sickness from her pregnancy and her lovesick fear for Uriah. Messengers from the palace relayed David's mania of late, 
how he stalked the quarters, muttered to himself, kept calling for Joab, who led the war effort David had chosen to stay home from. He has written a letter to Joab, one of her informants at the palace told her. This will not end well, she told her servant girl, then promptly threw up again as a knock sounded below. She wiped her mouth and greeted a messenger who stood stock still in her doorway. Uriah is dead, the messenger told her. Three more words that she could not control, could not alter. What could a woman do? What could a subject of a king who would do such things do to escape the inevitable? She pulled a black veil over herself like a shroud. Upon her bed, she wanted to lie flat on her stomach, but the insistent kicks of the little one growing there kept her on her side. Tears wound down her cheeks, over the ridge of her nose, into the bedding. Here she remained for many days, refusing food. She wished her bed would swallow her whole so she could be with Uriah in the afterlife. Murmurings from the palace filled her with dread. The king, it was said, was making arrangements for another bride to come into his fold. Bathsheba knew she was herself the woman they whispered of. She bit her cheek until it bled, pounded fists against the rock wall of her home, and paced endlessly. But no matter how she protested, no matter how much grief and bewilderment assaulted her, the inevitability haunted her. She would be the wife of a murderer. She would have to sleep with the man who had killed her husband and stolen her innocence. Her stomach continued its revolt. She lost weight instead of gaining it. Her cheeks became as hollow as her soul. When David's men came for her, she acquiesced. But her heart was dead. The only thing keeping her alive was the steady kick of her unborn child. The first time Bathsheba was summoned from her home, the verb that was used in the passage meant to take, which in its usual context has connotations of marriage. The man takes the woman from the father and she joins his household, making it an ironic use of the word as David takes Bathsheba in violation and disregard of her marriage. The second time David takes Bathsheba, the verb used means something more like gather. The use of that word in this instance speaks volumes. There's no proposal and once again, no sign of consent. What choice did she really have in this? This time, she simply collected, almost as a possession already claimed. She has been violated. Her husband has been murdered. She has been collected by the king with everything she had hoped her life might look like stolen from her. And still, there was more grief yet to come from the situation as we see the rest of the story play out. When have your life circumstances been completely out of your control? How did you process that? What are the ways that you can bring those circumstances and injustices to God? Lord, how easy it is to stop at the headline featuring in biblical lore too often, manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines writ large and bold 
to the hidden figures in the byline in the fine print, without whom the story would never have been told, nor are we here to tell it, or to hear it, or to live it. Tamar, Rahav, Ruth, Bathsheba, Miriam, help me not to brush them by, or their stories, no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weathered the abuse and domination of an all-too-often heavy and abusive male hand, rising up as true mothers in Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth, in which justice and mercy meet through the one born in Bethlehem on one starry, starry night. Through your mercies. <laughs>